You can be seated. Well, we are in Joshua, and in fact, I say that every week, we're going to be here a little while. So, so you, you guys can, can take your Bibles, uh, open to Joshua, we're in chapter 4, and just put your little tab there, and we'll just, we'll just keep trucking along in Joshua. Uh, it, it's kind of fun as we're going through this. First of all, I, I love the stories that are in Scripture, and, and we have to be careful uh, when we're talking with kids. Uh, here's one thing that I say with them a lot of time. This is a story from the Bible. This is a true story. So when I say stories from the scriptures or stories from the Bible, we know that these are actual accounts. These are things that have happened. And in fact, a little fun thing to do with somebody sometime is, you know, a lot of people, especially we're getting ready to send one off to college. And in college, you know, you have these professors that, you know, just kind of discount, you know, the Bible. It's not true. It was made up. It's just, you know, a bunch of hooey. That's a Hebrew word. Um, Greek is hogwash, but, 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 they, but they say that. And so a, a fun thing to do sometime is just, just open up the Scripture with them and, and help them to look and see the details that are in Scripture. You don't put a lot of details in stories that are made up. You, you don't put dates in stories that are made up. You, you just don't do those kind of things. And, and one of the cool things that the, about the Bible is the Bible just says it like it is. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you read stuff in the Bible and you're like, oh, I think I would have left that out. But, but the Bible just says it like it is because it's true. So, so I, I love the stories that we read in Scripture, and it's really been fun for me to, to kind of dig into Joshua uh, a, a little bit and 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 they're getting ready uh you remember uh, l- last week we we left you with the priests with their toes in the water <laughs> do you remember that uh, th- that's where we left off and and, and this week uh, w- what we get to see is the nation of israel crossing over the jordan and and they do something that's really cool here, and, and I like these kinds of things. And it's really just a good way that the Bible helps us to be able to teach others to follow God, particularly our families, that, to teach them to follow God. And and we were at a first and second grade camp this last week. The, the civil staff is going to get tired of seeing me there. Maybe I brought them ice cream, so they'd let me back in this time, but... First and second grade camp, these are little guys. These are like six- and seven-year-old kids. And, and, and we had one, a, a little six-year-old boy, that, that the first night wanted to follow Jesus. And, and that is so cool. And, and as I'm sitting there with him and, and as I'm talking with him, he's actually a really sharp kid. And I love it when God gives me the opportunity to be there when it comes to faith in Christ. And now this little guy... This isn't like the first time he's heard about Jesus. He, he's raised in a Christian home, and, and so it's really neat for me. And I just began thinking about this this week with, with this message in mind, that, that this, this little guy, now, now he's come to the, the place where this is a conscious thing for him, and, and, and he said, I want Jesus to be my boss. I want him to be my Savior. And, and, and my first thought is, you know, boy, six years old, that's pretty young. And then I thought, yeah, but that's exactly what we're taught to do in Scripture. We're, we're taught to teach them to follow Christ. What are we supposed to wait for them to mess up their lives and then get convicted? 
And, and then, you know, then they've got like a, all this sin and the junk that goes along with it for them to come to faith in Christ. And they spend, you know, the, the next 20 years, you know, learning that Jesus came to redeem them from all that junk. No, no. So it, this is cool as we head into to this part uh, in the story with Joshua. Uh, let me just, it, it's the whole ch- chapter four. So I'm not going to read it all. Uh, word for word for you, but but I want to tell you the story of this. You remember that the priest, uh, here, here's where we ended in, in chapter 3. It says, um, uh, Now the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. It took a while. We're not talking, you know, there, there's not a million of us here, only about 900,000 or so. I'm, I'm teasing for anyone who's listening online. Um, but but there, there's, there's not that many of us here. But if we were to cross over a river, it would still take us just a little bit. In fact, it takes us about 15 minutes to get out of here. You know, if there's ever a fire, please don't panic. Just quietly and, and uh, uh, calmly uh, go through the exits. It took them a while to walk over. So, so man, this is just something. If you can imagine the priests, <laughs> they're standing there holding the ark. And, you know, okay, how many is that? It's about 300,000. All right, well, we're about a third of the way there, you know. <laughs> I don't know. There's a little guy there with a clicker, you know, they're putting marks in a stick. I, it took a while for this to happen. I, I wanted to find out exactly how long, and I don't know. There's only estimates, guesses. But, but when we get to, to chapter 4, verse 1, here's what it says. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua something that, that, that's, that for us might seem a little bit weird, but if we, if we kind of put ourselves there and think about it, it makes more sense. Here's what he said. Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man. So, so we've got 12 tribes. Pick one man from each tribe is what he's saying. And command them saying... Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. Bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Now, now, now think about this. Uh, I, I wanted to go get 12 stones, but it, it would have been weird. And there, well, I can't find any river rocks around here anyways. But if I had, if I had river rocks... We actually did this. I don't know. Some of you may, may know. I, I actually was a contractor for nine years and did uh, VA foreclosed homes. And one of the houses, what they tried to do is make these houses as plain vanilla as they could to get them to sell on the market. And that was our job is to go in and, and kind of redo them. Well, they, they, they had a yard full of river rocks. And, 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 and I got to bid, among other things, on removing these river rocks. And I said, well, I'll do that for free. Those things are going to my house. <laughs> and, and I don't know if you've ever moved a bunch of river rocks, but it was like a trailer load. And we moved them twice. And when we got ready to come here, Cynthia said, there are rocks in Cloudcroft. <laughs> You're not bringing those. Funny thing is, we went back. We had really neat neighbors across the street, a, a neat Christian couple. And they were praying for us as we we're coming. And as soon as we pulled back into town, they said, so? And we said, well, we're going to Cloudcroft. And I'm not kidding. The first words out of his mouth is, what are you going to do with those rocks? 
And I said, well, my wife told me I'm not taking them. He goes, can I have them? And I said, yeah. And they spent the better part of the day in a little trailer. Not a trailer. What are those things called? Wagons. A little red wagon taking them across the street. He wasn't wasting any time. But River Rock is different. If I had been able to get 12, and by the way, these are, you know, stones we kind of think of. Uh, later on, we'll see Joshua tells them, put them on their shoulder. These, these, were, these were rocks, okay? If you need some, uh, we've cleared a bunch from the playground. There's some out back we can, we can give you. These are rocks. These are big stones. And we think, well, that's a weird thing to do, isn't it? They're, they're from the place where the priest stood, and they're going to take them, and they're going to put them at the place where they lodged at night. It ended up being Gilgal, right on the, the border of, of Jericho. And you think, did God think they didn't have anything to do? <laughs> you know what? Why would God do something like that? It's, it's because, you know, we're, we're talking about jo- Joshua. Wow. <laughs> Joshua had courageous faith. And courageous faith celebrates God's victories. That's how it remains courageous faith. When God does something, it celebrates that. And, and so, so here's, here's Joshua. They're, they're crossing over the, the River Jordan, which was overflowing its banks. It's at flood stage and harvest. And, and about a million people cross over on dry ground, not muddy, on dry ground, and, and, and God tells Joshua, I want you to go and I want you to take 12 stones. Now, not rock, little rocks, but 12 stones. And, and I want you to put them up. And, and so what God is doing here, and it's really cool. And there are some places in Scripture that, that, that really God helps us just kind of build in some of these times. It, it helps us to set up memorials for him. And here's why that's important. I, I'm, I'm looking at my notes just to make sure. That to set up memorials to, to God, uh, because we forget, don't we? God will do something amazing. Hey, let, let me ask you this. Don't raise your hand, because we all probably could. How many times have you prayed for God to do something, and he answered, and you just skipped over and went right to the next thing? That happens, doesn't it? That's why sometimes it's important to have a prayer journal. When God answers, you write in the date and, and the answer to the prayer. And, and it's easy for us when God does big things among us to forget just to kind of, okay, that's done, that's behind me, let's go on to the next thing. But God wants us to have courageous faith. And courageous faith celebrates God's victories. And, and here's, here's what he's helping them to do here. He's helping them to celebrate this victory. Here's what celebrating God's victories does for us. First, it gives glory to God. Any of you ever kind of forget that God's in control? Does that ever happen to anybody else? (laughs) I forget. I mean, anybody in here, we we work or have worked for the, the money that we get and the things that we have. Any of us in here ever forget that really that is all from God and it all belongs to him? That's easy for us to forget, isn't it? It's easy for us to, to, to not even so much take credit for it, but just not give God the credit 
for things. Whenever we celebrate God's victory, the first thing that it does is it helps us give glory to God. We consciously say, God, this is something you have done, not that I have done, not that chance happened. I, I, I try to change my, my word to match my thinking, which I want to be biblical. And I say sometimes that I'm fortunate that this happened. And, and I've just had to change that a little bit. I'm I'm not fortunate, and I'm not leaving it to fortune, you know, fortune and chance. I'm blessed. That God has blessed me with this. I'm blessed that God brought this about. And so celebrating God's victories helps us to stop and to say, you know what, God, you did this, and I'm going to give you credit for this. And it reminds us that we didn't do it. I'm a doer. I, I, I love to talk and I love to plan, but if that's all I do, that drives me crazy. I just I want to get out and do something. Uh, enough talk, all right? Yeah, you, you had me at hello, you know? Let, let's go. Let, let's go do this. The, the second thing that it does is it connects the past to the future. L- look at what he says here. I, l- let me fill in a little bit of the story. So they take the 12 stones... And they set them up as a memorial. Now, these are honking rocks here that these men had to put on their shoulders. And and they set them up as a memorial in Gilgal. And and here's why God says to do that. This is uh, chapter 4, verses 21 through 23. He says, "And And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Now, now, Think about this. These are river rocks. These aren't laying around Gilgal. These came from the Jordan. And, and they see these stones, and, and, and I'm guessing, you know, that, that it would have been significant height if you put 12 big rocks together like that. And they look and they say, Dad, Dad what are those stones for? And here's, here's what they were supposed to tell them. Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. Can you imagine how that conversation would go? Son, let me tell you, you see those rocks, and you notice that those are different than any of the other rocks around here. And the little kid would say, yeah, I'm thinking about this little six-year-old kid that I got to spend some time with this last week. And he'd say, yeah. Let me tell you why. You, You see, those stones, those came out of the Jordan. When God dried up the Jordan and let his people, let us cross over on dry ground, just like he did when the children of Israel came out of Egypt from slavery. How he dried up the Red Sea. God did that right there. You see that river right there? God did that right there. Those rocks came from that river. And and it rehearses the story of God's faithfulness. It, It ties the past Together with the future, listen, this is something that, that I, I think we've done very poorly uh, in, in the last couple or, or maybe few generations. I think we've done a poor job of handing a living faith off to the next generation. Now, in the 50s, everybody went to church, right? I mean, the communities, everything revolved around church. We, we were a very God-centered country in the 50s. 
And I think that maybe that's where it began, and we just assumed that our children were going to be that way. But what happened was we had a bunch of kids, some of us now, not, not this part of us, some of you have kids who have kids, but we just assumed that they would walk with the Lord too. They grew up going to church, but they didn't grow up knowing Jesus as their Savior. We, we kind of missed that somewhere along the way. We, we thought that was going to happen. And, and, and what this does, this, this recounting of the, the stories of God's faithfulness, what it's doing is allowing one generation to hand a living faith off to the next. It's connecting the past with the future, with these kids. Listen, this is what God did, and this is what God can do. The third thing that it does is it grows our faith. You ever get to a place where you think, you know, I don't even think God listens when I pray anymore. You ever been there? God's just been so quiet for so long. I don't even know why I bother. There's a cute little song that we used to sing. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. Here's why that's important. We get to a place where we're frustrated, we're discouraged, we're dismayed, and, and, and maybe overwhelmed. Sometimes we even get to the place where we're defeated. And it's good for us to go and rehearse God's faithfulness, that, that God did this here, and God did this here, and God did this here, and God did this here. And you know what? God has been faithful all along the way, and he will continue to be faithful in my life. That, that it grows our faith. Every time God shows himself as faithful, it makes it a little bit easier for us to trust him in something that's a little bit bigger. Here's what he says, verse 24, that we do that. We, we, fathers, you tell your children this, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of Yahweh is mighty, that you may fear Yahweh, your God, forever. Now, I've mentioned this to you before, but whenever you see the Lord capitalized, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, that's the personal name for God, which is Yahweh. Why, why would I say that? I, I hear this more and more, and maybe, maybe you hear too, People that would say that the God of the Christians and the God of the Muslims is the same God. You know, they don't even have the same name. We just use the word God generically. Allah is the God of the Muslims. Yahweh is the God of the Christians. And, and what he's saying here, because especially in this day and time, there were lots of gods that people worshipped. And he's not saying just any God. It's not just a faith in some supreme or higher being. That this is a faith in Yahweh, God, the one true God. That you may fear Yahweh, the Lord your God, forever. Sometimes we get busy in life. Has that ever happened with anybody? Is, is anybody like totally bored this week? I've got some stuff for you. I saw a hand. It was a kid. They just volunteered you, Mom. No. 
Sometimes we just get busy in life. And, 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 and so I think that's what happens, particularly with us as, as parents and, and as grandparents. And some of you are great grandparents. And by the way, I, I hear that any grandkid is a great grandkid, even though they might not be your great grandkid. Someday. I'm not, I'm not in a hurry. I keep telling my kid. Sometimes we just get busy in life. And so we think, how do I do this? So, so, so we don't set up stones anymore. I don't know. Maybe that would be a cool thing to do. So, so how do you build memorials? How do, we, how do we take this and how do we build this into our lives for our kids and for our grandkids? Let me just give you just some ideas. Are you guys ready? These are in your notes. One, tell stories. Now, I don't mean once upon a time kind of stories. <laughs> I mean, these are true stories. Tell stories to your kids and to your grandkids of what God has done. Start with this one. Tell them how you came to faith in Christ. Have you ever done that? Listen, I talk with kids all the time. And I bet you most of them, if I said, how did your mom or how did your dad come to know Jesus as their Savior? How many do you think would know? Is that ever a conversation you've had with your kids? Maybe your kids are grown, and, and maybe you've never, never shared that story with them. What an easy thing to do for your grandkids, great-grandkids. Just tell them how you came to faith in Christ, your story. Now, now be careful, because if, if I didn't grow up in a Christian home, I don't want to tell them everything I did before I became a Christian. For one thing, I don't want to give them any ideas. <laughs> I don't want to give glory to Satan either. I just tell him, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I, I didn't have purpose. I looked for it in, in a lot of different places, but nothing, nothing filled me. I was empty. Tell them how you came to faith in Christ. Second, tell them what God has done in your life. One of the favorite things that I like to tell people, it's a little bit of a long story. It's hard for me to shorten it. But my mom and dad passed away before I went to college. I had like no money. I had no opportunity for college at all. God changed that in a day. In a day. I went from no prospect of being able to go to college to being enrolled in college. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Tell them stories of things that God has done in your life. And then, I would say this, share stories of what God has done and is doing in your family. Sit down with your family and recount the things that God has done. Hey, hey, you remember, you remember when this happened? Do you remember we prayed? And, and do you remember how God answered that prayer? Isn't that cool? And, 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 and let, your, let your kids, let your grandkids then start to rehearse some of those stories back to you. Encourage one another with the things that God has done. Tell stories. Listen, the Bible was, was primarily handed down orally. Uh, Moses is the first one who ever wrote. He, he wrote Genesis through um, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Had to get that quick real. The Joshua came next. But it was handed down orally. Can you imagine sitting around a campfire? Because they didn't have stoves back then. 
and, 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 the, and the grandma or the grandpa of the family would sit and tell God's story to the people around. Tell stories of what God has done and is doing. And then create moments. Now, I know we can't, like, I wish I could create more time, you know. I just find more stuff to fill it up with. There's 28 hours in every day now. Here's what I mean by that. Take advantage of times like Thanksgiving. What if, what if you just made this your, your Thanksgiving tradition? We're, we're going to make a Thanksgiving tradition. Hey, everybody, let, let's think about this for Thanksgiving, and, and let's think about one thing that God has done this year in your life and share that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I was falling from a 10-story building and somehow my landing got cushioned. And, you know, normally God works just throughout the day. But but one thing, pick Thanksgiving. Do, do it at Christmas. At Christmas, we're all thinking about him anyways. We're thinking about how God, through his son, became flesh for us. The one who knew no sin became sin for us. So at Christmas, think about, just, just talk about, hey, hey guys, so, so we're, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. We, we do a birthday cake for Jesus. Just kind of remind us that that's what Christmas is about. We do that on Christmas Eve. And, and, and maybe, maybe just say, you know, let's, let's think of something that God has done in our lives. Share that. You can do that at New Year's. What a great time as we close out one year and move into the next. You can do that at birthdays. There are other times when, when you can do that too, but, but create moments. Make times where we sit down and we say, you know what, let's celebrate God's victories. God has done this, and, and, and let's give him credit. Let me, these aren't in your notes. Hopefully there's a space where you can write this down. But let me tell you something that, that someone did for us one time that's really cool. You can do this. Let me fill in a little piece of the story. Not only did, did they take rocks from the Jordan and put them at Gilgal, they took rocks, 12 rocks, and put them in the middle of the Jordan. Did you guys catch that in the story? You can go back and read that. Where you couldn't see it, but they knew they were there. I, 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 would, I, would lo- I love those kind of things. So I could just see the dad, the, the kid saying, Dad, what do these stones mean? And he tells them, and he said, hey, you know what? Not only that, but out in the middle, you can't see them, but out in the middle, there are 12 big stones in the Jordan that we took and put in there because it was on dry ground. Here's what they did for us. It was a going way. I was department director for a young adult department in a church long ago. Not in a galaxy far away, though. <laughs> Fort Worth, I guess maybe that's another galaxy. And, and they did a, a going away party for us. And, and they did something way cool. We still have it. It's a framed picture of a, of a church, a little country church. And on the back, they all wrote something. So you walk into my house and you just see a picture on the wall. It doesn't mean anything to you at all. But we look at that and we know that there's more to it than that. Maybe you could do something like that with your family. Maybe at the end of the year, one of these times that we talked about, 
and just say, you know what, let's write on the back of this things that God has done so that every time we see that, people, when, when guests come into the house, they won't know, but we'll know. You know, we did something kind of like that, and, and I'll give credit where credit's due. It was, it was John Ferdetta's idea as he was helping us redo the sanctuary. Our baptistry was on the other side of that wall, and he says, hey, are you having youth group tonight? And I said, yeah. He goes, you know what would be really cool if you, you had them write on the wall of that baptistry their name and maybe a scripture verse or something. And so that's there. You can't see it. Um, there's a way to get to it, see it, but I'm not telling you how. Um, <laughs> but that's there. And so we did that that night. We wrote our, our favorite verse or maybe something uh, that, that was meaningful for us. Here's the point. Let's celebrate God's victory. Not just for us, although it grows our faith, but listen, God has given us the responsibility to pass our faith on to our children and our children's children. And I don't know about you, if God lets me live long enough, I want to do it to my children's children's children. I hear that great-grandkids are amazing. I want to hand a living faith off. And and really, if if you want to see what that looks like on a daily basis, just go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. When they get up, when they lie down, when they, when they walk by the wayside as they sit at the table, teach them to follow the Lord your God. Let's pray. God, I, I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you love us in big ways. Lord, it, it's amazing the things that you do in our midst. And God, I, I'll just confess right away that, that, that I often just kind of skip over those. I take those for granted. Lord, help me not to do that. And Father, for those who are here, our, our people, those who are parents with grown kids, parents with little kids, grandparents, great-grandparents, God, I pray that you would help us to, to even now, who would never done this before, that, that we begin to recount the stories of your faithfulness to our families. That's where we should start. And if we'd never shared the story of how we came to faith in Christ, God, that'd be the first thing we do. We just tell them, not all the stuff we did before, but how you got a hold of us, how you rescued us, how you've redeemed us. And that, God, we would just make it a habit in our life of, of celebrating your victories in our families. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be better about that as a church to celebrate the things that you do in our midst, to celebrate the ways that you work and move. And God, I thank you for that that, that little six-year-old boy who prayed and asked Jesus to be his boss, his Lord and his Savior. I pray for his parents that, that God, you would help them to hand a living faith off to him. God, we celebrate that. That's only a work that, that you can do. We can't do that. So, Father, I pray that you'd help us to do that. And, Lord, if there's anyone here today who's never come to faith in Christ, God, that you, by your Spirit, would help them to see their need for a Savior, that nothing else in this world can save us from our sin, but that Jesus, your Son, the one who knew no sin, became sin and then paid the penalty for our sin so that we could have a right relationship with you. 
And God, if they've never done that, I just pray that you draw them to you today. And God, today would be the day where they would make Jesus their boss. That, that they would believe, that they would trust in Christ for their salvation. Father, help us to live lives that are honoring and glorifying to you and lives that lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. For it's in his name we pray, amen. I just want to encourage you today. That 